Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Fresh Take from What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And today we're talking to Sarah Dean. She is the host of the Shameless Mom Academy podcast, inspiring women and moms to live bigger, bolder, and braver. Hashtag every damn day. Sarah Dean is a mindset, business, and leadership coach who motivates and inspires women to stop shrinking and start shining. When she's not supporting shameless moms, you'll find Sarah with her husband and nine-year-old son building Legos and pretending to understand Minecraft. Welcome, Sarah Dean. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Let's talk about being a shameless mom. Where does the title come from? What does it mean to you to be a shameless mom? What I've been able to do with that name is really create a community of moms where we can actively show up imperfectly and we can give ourselves permission every single day to do the best with what we've got and acknowledge that sometimes we're going to mess it up and we just keep going and growing day by day and that it doesn't have to look a certain way and we get to just keep showing up and trying every single day. So is being shameless in reaction to the sort of perfectionistic expectations that we put on ourselves and that the world puts on us? Yes. And it's been interesting because I launched the show in 2016. And I would have said at that time, it was like about being unapologetic and like, and it was really about taking up space. And I come from the fitness industry. I had a 15 year career there before really launching full time into the podcast because I had spent so long helping women shrink their bodies. I really wanted the Shameless Mom Academy to be a place for women to take up as much space as possible, physically take up space, take up space with your voice. Ah. And that's where it started. But in 2016, as the world evolved and through 2020 and now into 2022, all of a sudden showing up shamelessly is looked a lot differently than what I really originally set out to do. And it's been incredible. The opportunities that women have had to raise their voices and be heard. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But it's like the necessity for us to show up and take up space and be loud just keeps getting greater. And so I'm grateful that I stepped into this arena when I did and that this is the direction that I chose because it's been needed. I think we all agree that this idea of perfection is harmful to us. Yeah. But where does the idea come from? How has it manifested in your life, this idea of walking away from the idea of being perfect? I'm a pretty perfectionistic person myself. <laughs> in fact, after a couple years of really being in full denial, I've embraced that I am a one on the Enneagram which is the perfectionist, which means you're a really harsh critic. Me too. You are. (laughs) 
Yeah. People often say on the podcast now that we've been in it for so long that they're either a Margaret or an Amy. You're definitely an Amy. I mean, I can diagnose you as an Amy. Okay. So what are you, Margaret? I don't know the engram and everything, but I've never done okay. it, but I'm whatever that's not. The opposite of a one? I think she might be a three. I'm more like, uh, should I put pants on today? I'm very <laughs> far on the opposite side of the spectrum. So I really wanted to be a three because a three is an achiever and I do pride myself on being a high achiever. I'm an achiever. I'm a high performer. I get things done. Like that's nice, right? Well, a perfectionist is really self-critical and also critical of others. And Mm -hmm. that has been hard for me to grapple with because I don't want to be the person that's critical of others. Like I don't want to admit that the people that are closest to me are the people I'm not always the kindest. I'm kind to them, but like, I'm always like, well, why are you doing it that way? So I think for me with perfectionism, I've had to constantly step away from it in order to achieve the things I want to achieve or have the impact that I want to have. And then I tend to attract a lot of women who are like, yeah, this has been a huge burden for me too, where... I want to achieve more things and I want to have more impact, but I get really caught up in these details and then I do nothing. And so it's been become the central cornerstone in my membership community where it's like every day we are really actively practicing taking imperfect action and seeing the growth that comes with that and how incredibly rewarding that momentum is, even if you completely mess it up. And so, and then the trajectory is always like moving forward and moving up, even if it's like peaks and valleys you're still on a general trajectory in the right direction. And so, you know, that's the goal. So I think as I've done that on my own, I've also invited my audience and my community to do that as well. And it's been really, really cool to see the things that have happened. Mm. Can you give us an example of how you, by letting go of perfection, you progress more quickly? So this might be controversial to share with two podcasters. I record a podcast episode, usually in one take, and then I send it to our shared producer and... I don't look back. I don't listen to it. If someone sends me an email and they're like, this is weird or this is off or you said something wrong, then I'll like be like, oh, maybe I need to go listen to that part. I've really stepped away from redoing or over editing things when it comes to the way I teach and educate and coach. I'm conscientious about what I want to say and how I want to say it. So I'm not careless or reckless, but I really have learned to like trust my instincts and create things in one shot that I think are really good. And really good is not a plus, And I'm okay with that. Then I'm like, okay, this is working. So I have that validation and proof of concept that like, I don't need to go back and listen to every episode and spend two to three times as much time on it. Because that's not going to get me any further, any faster. What's actually getting me further faster is getting really good content out there that's not perfect and having impact that way. Because a lot of the people listening aren't podcasters. I had a mentor who gave me advice as a writer a long time ago that perfect is the enemy of done. Oh, totally. And it's very much something that I think about in every aspect of life, that if you make perfect Halloween costumes, perfect birthday parties, the goal that not only do you spend a lot of time feeling disappointed and upset, but you also just sometimes you can't get done and sometimes you can't even start because a workout isn't a workout unless it's an hour and I'm at my peak physical performance. A 10 minute walk is better than no workout and really embracing that thing of trying something is better than having a perfect dream, but nothing actually happening. 
Absolutely. Either of you familiar with the book Finished by John Acuff? Oh, I've talked about it many times on this show. Yes, it's a great book. And I mean, it's for creatives, but we could apply it pretty broadly, right? Set an absurdly small goal if you want to finish. Yes. <laughs> Today, writing is about opening the laptop and looking at the blank page for 10 minutes and not walking away. Yeah, you did it. It isn't. Yes. Chapter eight in a day or you're a loser. Yeah, it really helps. Yeah, it makes a huge difference. You also talk a lot about turning struggles into strengths. And it seems like an extension of this idea of mm -hmm. getting away from perfect. So give us an example of somewhere where you've turned a struggle into a strength. Oh, I love this question. And there's so many examples I could give. I think a really current one for me has been... So I was diagnosed a year ago with PTSD and general anxiety disorder. And I've been talking about it. I was talking a little bit about anxiety previous to the diagnosis because it was like, I knew that it was there. <laughs> I wasn't like wondering when I went in for the assessment. I was like, this is here. What's been significant to me is as I've talked more about that, that the thing that has been hard for since I was eight years old, and I can trace back to when I was eight and how it's been with me since then, the thing that has been hard has become this thing that I can now look at objectively and recognize like, oh, how has it actually served me? And how can it serve me going forward? And so I also went through this when we went through infertility, where I was like, okay, this is really hard. And it's been here for a long time now because it was multiple years. And when I started talking about either of those things publicly, a whole bunch of people stepped forward, a whole bunch of women, a whole bunch of moms stepped forward and said, me too. I've been there. This is a part of my life. I see you. I'm there in it right now. This is what worked for me. And what I found in owning those struggles and saying like, this is what I've been going through. And this has been a part of my life, whether it's been for three weeks or three months or 30 years in my case owning that as a part of your life, all of a sudden it can become a superpower when you can find connection with other women around the same thing. Or when you can share yourself in a way that the rest of the world can see something about that part of you and they can apply that new knowledge in a way that serves the rest of the world. So for example, when I talk about, you know, having a diagnosis of PTSD and anxiety and people are like, wait, hold on, but you're like a really strong person who shows up and does all these things. How do you do that with anxiety? All of a sudden now there's this normalization around mental health in a different way. And they can carry that maybe into their family or into their workplace or into their community in a different way and say like, oh, I wonder if this person's a little bit like Sarah and maybe I should create a little space or grace for them because maybe they're having a moment right now. Maybe they have anxiety too. So whether it's helping someone else see themselves or whether it's helping someone else be like a better citizen because I've shared something, all of a sudden now, my struggle that I've been carrying all this time has become something that can have positive impact for other people. And it doesn't have to be this thing that like I'm hiding in a dark corner and like, I don't want anyone to know this thing. I want to take a break. And when we come back, I want to talk about your thoughts about not staying stuck. <laughs> Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses. First two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we say, and making diaper changes a breeze. 
for trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different Different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L U M E N dot M E. Lumen.me and use the code Fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. Okay, we're back. And you talk about this idea of being stuck, staying stuck. We talked to Dr. Lynetta Willis, who has an amazing writing about stable misery and this kind of place that we kind of get into that I'm not dealing with COVID right now and I have food on the table. And so I guess I can't complain because... What right do I have to complain? Right. Because everything's going fine. Yeah. Who am I to complain when my house has heat going and I should just be focusing on the positive? And you also talk about this idea of being stuck Mm -hmm. and staying stuck. And what have you learned about, first of all, why so many moms feel stuck? And then what are some of the ways we can work to getting out of that place for ourselves? So my mouth just dropped because I'm a big fan of Dr. Lynetta and I'm interviewing her soon. She's fantastic. So much fun to talk to, too. Shout out to Dr. Lynetta. So yes, we moms, women, and perfectionists (laughs) stay stuck. It's like our curse. We can stay stuck in something for so long because we're waiting. And when I see moms go through this, I have a lot of fun pointing it out because so many of them don't recognize that they're doing it. So when we're stuck in a certain place, we're either waiting for like the variables to change. So we're like, okay, well, when I have more time or when the kids are out of the house or when they all are in school or when this or when that, we create these like stipulations for various reasons that when we get to a certain point or there's a certain framework that then we will be ready for this thing. So we are just constantly waiting while we're in that place of waiting. We are often becoming increasingly impatient and uncomfortable. So initially that waiting feels kind of like a safe harbor, like, oh, well, I don't really have to like write the book yet because I'm not Mm going to do that till after the pandemic or after the kids are in school or whatever. But as we're waiting, we become more and more concerned, anxious, perfectionistic about, well, should I do it like next month? Or maybe I should wait one more month. We start making all these negotiations in our head and then that sends us into a tailspin. And if you have an anxious mind, it can be really consuming. And so as we're doing that, we're continuing to stay stuck. And then we also have, if we have any perfectionism in us, we're waiting for the moment when we can control all the things. And that never happens. Like it never comes. It never arrives. The antidote to that is to stay in motion in small ways. And so 
a lot of times when we are stuck around something, we are stuck because we're looking at this big thing. So I know, Amy, you're writing a book. So when we think about like, I'm going to write a book, and then we think, well, I have to put that off for like a minimum of three years, because that's going to take so much time. If we're doing that, then we're not actually moving forward. And that doesn't actually ultimately feel good. So instead of thinking this huge leap of like, in three years, I'm going to write the book, it can really be about well, what can I do today to start the process of writing the book that doesn't even involve like actually writing. Maybe it's pulling out my phone while my kids are playing at the park and just brain dumping a list of like ideas for chapters or topics or people I want to interview before I write the book or whatever, and just putting that in the notes app on my phone. It's like one little step that's not actually doing the thing. It's like a preliminary step. So I think that there's a lot of things that we can do to get unstuck where we're just doing one little thing. And so a lot of my small steps are like getting out of your house for 10 minutes away from your family. So could you take the dog for a walk or do a walking errand or just like walk around the block and listen to a podcast or listen to your favorite songs? to just get out of a space in your household, if you have little kids especially, that allows you to not be consumed in this environment that isn't giving you any mental space. Or maybe it is doing something in your household, like getting up before your kids 30 minutes earlier and journaling or meditating or doing a workout where, again, you just have time to create space that's this preliminary action to taking action. So it's like working up to the start line. After you do that for a bit, more steps can start to unfold that are actually like getting you into the thing that you ultimately want to accomplish. And not everybody listening, right, has a book or a painting or a, you know, small business they want to start, right? There are people listening who have, I'm imagining somebody with like 22 month old twins and eight months pregnant <laughs> yes. with number three. We're not telling you you have to start a book next month or ever for that matter, right? right? But the, how is this applicable to somebody who's like, I'm just trying to get dinner on the yes. table. I'm not trying <laughs> to like, I don't have a side hustle. I'm so glad you asked that question. Yes, because that I meant to mention this piece as well. So the other part to being stuck that has nothing to do with like taking action is creating joy. So if you're in that place of, mm. I am, have 22 month old twins and Lord help me, I'm also pregnant with a third. And like, how am I going to get through this day, let alone like the next three years? <laughs> how are you creating joy every single day and creating joy. And I don't want creating joy to be like, great, another thing on my list. Now I have to create joy. Thanks. Right, right, right. Creating joy. I went through this week in when we were deep in Omicron, and I was mad at the world for all sorts of things. My creating joy was dipping two Oreos in coffee every single morning at about 10 o'clock. It was not a mm. heavy lift task. It was like, damn it, I'm going to dip these Oreos that my sister-in-law left here after Christmas. I'm dipping them in the coffee. And this is what I'm doing until the Oreos are gone. It can be really little things where you're just like, I'm taking a moment for me right now. And never mind the rest of you. <laughs> like, here's what mom is doing right now to create joy. And so that might be like a girl's getaway, but it might be just dipping cookies and coffee. But where are you intentionally putting that time into like, this is the thing I'm doing in this day or this moment that is just for me. That's just mine. I think it's very mm -hmm. important to find that intentionality as a mom where you're not just like, I have to shut down and put my head down for several years because someday I'll be happy because what happens is you get stuck in that. Yeah. And the moment where you're going to put your head back up and be yourself again is not waiting for you. It's just small practices every day to stay in touch with that. 
And the small practice, like it might sound silly to be like, okay, dip with the cookies and the coffee. Oh, it does not sound silly. It sounds delicious. <laughs> but it's a practice of honoring yourself. Mm-hmm. So if you can be in that practice and in that space, I mean, Amy, your example is like pulls at my heartstrings in that space of 22 month old twins and pregnant with a third. If you can take 30 seconds to honor yourself every day, what is that going to look like if you're practicing that now? What is that going to look like a year from now when things are even more hectic? And that's who you are, though, that you are someone that chooses to honor yourself every single day, even when it feels like the household, maybe your world is falling apart. Like that, it becomes part of your identity that who I am is someone who honors herself, even if it's just for 30 seconds. And you're doing that for you. You're not doing that because then you'll have so much more to give your family because then <laughs> yes, to be so much more patient when your spouse comes home. No, it's just for you, isn't it? It is not for you to have a full cup so that you can pour for others, blah, 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 blah. No, it's because you just deserve joy. <laughs> right. And you talk about this kind of dovetails into self-care, which is another minefield of a topic that we talk about a lot because I think it can feel like, as you were saying, Okay, another thing on the list. Now I got to schedule a manicure on top of everything else so that I'm sure to do my self-care. And we've talked a lot and examined a lot around self-care. You describe self-care as a basic human need. Mm-hmm. If it's a basic human need, which I agree, why does it fall off our list so easily? And why does it start to feel like, oh, can I not? Can I just yeah. go to sleep instead of doing self-care? I'm too tired for self-care. That sounds annoying. So yeah, like the popularization of self-care is real obnoxious. I prefer to call it self-nourishment. And that can look like a million different things. So like my nourishment is working out six days a week, first thing in the morning. I understand that that's just completely obnoxious to a lot of people. They're like, yes, yeah, screw you. Yeah, and you're- that is not my nourishment. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't say obnoxious, but uh, borderline, borderline obnoxious to me. Yeah, like I get it. But also it really helps me manage anxiety. So it is very nourishing to me. Yes. Like I need it. I crave it. It's like how I feel good going into my day. But other people's self-nourishment might be a bath in the evening. That is a hassle to me. Like if you told me I have to take a bath every night for 30 minutes, I'd be like, oh my God, can't I just get in my bed and turn on my mattress pad warmer? Getting wet? That sounds horrible. Yeah, like it sounds so obnoxious. But so we all have different ways of nourishing ourselves. This gets back though to honoring yourself. And I think that when we look at this idea that self-care is just another thing on the list and it becomes this obnoxious thing and it's been so popularized and overused in different ways, I think what we have to look at is that we have been culturally trained and ingrained to ignore our own needs over and over and over again. And so if we can look at, I need to nourish myself. And again, not so that I can pour from a full cup and nourish everyone else, but I need to nourish myself because that's a basic human need. Then what does that look like? Because society is going to keep adding to my plate because society has said moms can do it all. Now moms can have it all and do it all and be it all, which is supposed to be a huge gift to us. And it's not. We've been told we can have it all, do it all, be it all, but we've been given no resources to do it. And so now we have these like overwhelmingly full plates. Things are falling off and the plate is cracking and it's 
feels like rude and disrespectful to suggest that I should also do self-care. <laughs> like that's just seems it's offensive. That's right. It's the responsibility in the world. Like, well, if you're overwhelmed, then you need to do a better job at self-care. Right. It's like with what time, with what money, with what child care? What are you talking about? The, the problem is the overwhelm, not that we're not doing a good enough job at yet this other thing. You know, it's a bigger problem. The problem is that women are being expected to do too much, especially these last two years. Yes. And it's like a super, it's like ingrained in everything in our culture. And it's the default mode for everything. And for decades, we've done it. We've just done it because we're like, I'm so grateful. Finally, we get to do all the things. Finally, we're invited to the table. I want a seat at the table where I can actually participate in the conversation and not be compartmentalizing or trying to compartmentalize what I'm making for dinner, what is happening with my sick child. Am I going to have to leave on a moment's notice? Can I even afford the childcare that for my kid that I need to pick up in an hour? How am I going to get groceries? Who's going to get groceries? Like, that's not the table I wanted to be invited to. I wanted to be at a table where I could actually like have enough mental capacity to be participate in the conversation. We're talking to Sarah Dean of the Shameless Mom podcast, and we will be right back after this. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. We agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty-calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero-gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber, while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to Hero.co and use the code MOTHERHOOD at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code MOTHERHOOD for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So, join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking It. Sarah, let's talk a little bit about the gifts of motherhood, because I think you have a really interesting perspective. 
I think often, and I've struggled with this a lot because I got married late, had kids late. And before that, I was a pretty successful person in my life and career. And then I struggled with this idea that motherhood was time away, that I was just, you know, life was what was happening while I was making other plans. I was busy with the chicken fingers and I kind of felt like I walked through the motherhood door, shut the door on Margaret and just became this new person of, you know, changing diapers and keeping children alive. But you talk about motherhood as that it offers you really a lot and that you're building a lot of really useful qualifications in your time. In motherhood. Absolutely. I think I relate to what you said about like the babies came and old Margaret was gone and then your new Margaret. And so the, I think that happens with all moms. I was old Sarah left and I was new Sarah. And I spent that first year of my son's life really grieving because I was like, when do I go back? Right. I was like, when am I going back to old Sarah? Like old Sarah laughed a lot more. Old Sarah could tell some funny stories. Old Sarah like knew what was coming in her life. <laughs> Old Sarah like completely had her act together and she knew what was coming. She could actually get dressed every day and not have to worry about like, am I, how many times do I have to nurse this baby? Why even bother getting dressed? So I think what we have to honor and look at first is that like, that door closes on that old identity without warning and nobody tells us that. And then you're left with, okay, so what does that mean and who am I? So it took me years to figure that out. It was really uncomfortable. And I kept thinking I was supposed to try to like pull in old Sarah in order to create new Sarah. And what became clear over time is that new Sarah had new skills and new talents and new gifts to share with the world and a whole new voice. And by the time my son was three, which is when I started my podcast, I was like, oh, now I can see like who this person is, but it would have been helpful for someone to tell me that she was coming. And so I think what we, when we look at the magic of motherhood, and we look at the shift in identity, we have the opportunity to really embrace what we become more capable of as we walk through all of this. And so what we know now, and thankfully, there's research starting to show this and really become more public and more accessible is that we know that moms are better leaders because moms know how to negotiate conflict. Moms know how to multitask. Moms know how to hold space for three children who have three different needs in the exact same moment. That makes you a way more valuable employee than Bob in accounting, who is single, lives alone, has never had to negotiate with toddlers, has never had to meet three different people's needs at the exact same time. Like all of a sudden, now you actually have leadership skills and qualifications that position you to be in a higher position than a lot of other people in the workforce. What we haven't been told or taught or trained around is that we should actually be marketing ourselves accordingly. And so I think that we have to look at the gifts of motherhood on top of the snuggles or wherever the phases that you thought were the most delightful. On top of all that, it's preparing you and poising you to build whatever position of leadership you want to in your community. So that might be in the corporate workforce. It might be leading in your kids, an organization with your child's activities, whether it's Girl Scouts or dance team or soccer coach or whatever those kinds of things are. Maybe it's a church community, but, or maybe it's just leadership in your household and not to say just leadership. Maybe it's more specifically leadership in your household, whatever the role is really honoring and owning that this role has qualified me to lead in a completely different way that I didn't see coming. And that's part of who I am now and really owning all the pieces of that. 
how do we convince you know, the workplace of that? I feel like that message, like we know that to be true. Right. I can think of working moms I know who know that to be true. I'm not sure that the head of the company sees it that way. Do we lead because that's what we're going to do? And we're going to make a better world for our daughters. Like, I wonder if saying that's like, that's right. I'm a mother. And therefore, that prepares me to lead. Like, OK, well, you're going to maybe blow that job interview, but make it a better place for the next woman. I mean, it, it seems like you can believe it for yourself, but is the world ready to hear it? That's a really great question. And it depends on the context. It depends on the company. I think that it's interesting. I have a client right now, a business coaching client who is building a company while also working in corporate America. And she recently went through a series of interviews looking for a new position. And she went into every interview and she's like super strong feminist mom's rights. And she went in like, here's why I'm more valuable. And here's what I bring to the table. And I've led women's initiatives in every company I've been at. And some of the companies were like, whoa, like we're not ready for you. And she's like, yeah, you're not. So thanks for your time. Bye. Mm. Like she just wanted it to be super clean and clear. Like I'm not going to waste my time for a company that's not ready for this. And then the people that hired her were like, oh my God, we've needed you for three years. Like it was like such a great fit because Mm. she went in with like that being the non-negotiable. And that being like, she showed up in that space. So I think, you know, you can make that decision that you want to lead with that piece of your voice. I think if you're already in a space, there's always opportunity to start to bring attention to underrepresentation. And so whether that is you bringing to the attention of HR or administrative people, bringing that into the conversation, or if it's just constantly or consistently looking at your organization and pointing out like, hey, have you noticed that we don't have a lot of moms here? Or have you noticed that like we have meetings that are scheduled at times that aren't convenient for moms? Or maybe you're even talking about another underrepresented group and then being able to connect dots over time. So have you noticed that like we don't have any people of color in leadership? Have you noticed that we don't have any initiatives for LGBTQ plus community members? So starting to look at just representation across the board, and then you can also ultimately bring motherhood into that as well, that like there's just so many groups that are underrepresented and it doesn't always have to be you stepping into like seeing me as a mom. It can really be looking at representation across the board and how do we build an inclusive workplace that is sensitive, not just to moms, but to like everyone who needs to be seen and heard in the workplace. I want to talk about also the mental load of motherhood, whether this is a working mom or a mom who is at home. You talk about powerful and purposeful ways to manage the mental load of motherhood. I would like to know some of those powerful and purposeful ways (laughs) because I'm not having a great week with that, Sarah. Yeah. So this goes back to your self-care, Margaret. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. All right. All right. Just do more self-care, Margaret. You need. Yeah. Why aren't you taking your bath every night? (laughs) So I don't have a bathtub, as Amy knows. Right. (laughs) That's so funny. I'm like, can't we take our bathtub out and like have a bigger shower or something? What what are these (laughs) bathtubs all about? So, okay. I think there's a couple things that can be done that can be really helpful. And sometimes, so as a type A perfectionistic kind of person, I like to do all the things because I do them right. Which means that sometimes I don't create space for my partner to do the things that he's super capable of doing. And he'll even say like, hey, I can do that. I mean, literally, sometimes it's like warming up soup for my son's thermos for lunch. And I'll be like, here, but you got to put it in this glass in the microwave first. And then you pour it in this thing with the, and use this spoon. And it becomes this joke where he's like, I know how to warm up soup in the microwave. Thanks. <laughs> so sometimes it's really the mental load can be so burdensome because we've created it for ourselves. Like we've become the gatekeepers in so many ways. So if you're a gatekeeper looking at that and noticing that and then being like, okay, I have some work to do. It can be really important. 
If you're not a gatekeeper, and maybe either you don't have a partner or you don't have a partner who's supportive, looking at, okay, what does it look like to not have to own all of this? And how can I be conscientious of what owning all of this is costing me? So it might look like if you're, and so I'm thinking of someone who maybe is a single parent with no outside, no family around and no partner for support. What does it look like to talk to another family and say like, Hey, could we two days a week do a swap after school? Like your kid comes to my house for three hours. And then on you know two days later, my kid goes to your house for three hours. And now I have three extra hours on one afternoon a week that I don't have to be on. So where can we look at like little ways that we are taking some stuff off of our plate in small ways that, yeah, it's going to take a minute to set up. And yeah, it's going to take leaning on other people. And yeah, it's going to take asking for support. But it also is going to be the thing that's going to free you from some of that constant load. Because oftentimes, we don't even recognize how much we've taken on until we start to get really conscientious of like, how can we take some things off of our plate? Or how can we lean on others? I also want to say that In not leaning on others, we don't create space for connection and intimacy in relationships. And so people like to be helpers. It's validating to my partner if I give him space to actually be a partner. Mm. (laughs) And so, and same for me, like if a friend says that they need something, I'm honored that they asked me. I'm honored that they trust me to ask for help. So there's also this piece of like create, it fuels relationships to need people (laughs) and then to be grateful that they helped you and to like have that back and forth is really, really important. So there's two parts to that, I think. Yeah, I think that's right. We've been talking to Sarah Dean. She's the host of the Shameless Mom Academy podcast and the head of the Shameless Mom community. Tell us about the community and you and your work and everywhere people can find you. So we have the Shameless Mom Academy podcast on any podcast platform, always free. And over 600 episodes. (laughs) So I love it when people start listening at like episode 602. And they're like, I'm going to go back and listen to every single one. And this happens (laughs) somewhat routinely. So you don't have to be a perfectionist and listen to all 600 and some, but you're invited to do so if it pleases you. So you can find me on any podcast platform. And then we have a free Facebook group. If you go to shamelessmom.com slash Facebook, there's a few thousand shameless moms in there. And then we have a membership community called Momentum Mamas. Enrollment's not open for that right now. But if you listen to the podcast and join our Facebook group, when we open enrollment for the membership community, you'll definitely get notification of that. So inside that community, people are getting coaching from me. We do group coaching every week. So I coach all of our members on a theme of the month. And we do that over the course of the month. There's opportunity for members to connect, get to know each other, be supported, and which is really, really fun. And, and oh my gosh, like the growth and transformation that happens in there is just absolutely incredible. So people can find all of that by just going to shamelessmom.com to our website to connect with all of our resources and goodies. Amazing. We'll put the links to all of that in the show notes. Sarah, it's been a great conversation. Thank you. Thank you. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. 
there are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent. And I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first time or second time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast.